Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Awesome People. What a pleasure it is to see you guys again. It's been a couple of days. And um, on this Tuesday, April 14th, I hope that wherever you're watching, you are safe and that your family is healthy, that your loved ones are healthy, and that you are um, social distancing as much as possible. I'd like to always remind everybody to please, please, please um, take this virus seriously. I myself have seen uh, many loved ones and friends of loved ones be impacted by this. And the best way that you can avoid this is by avoiding going outside. And, um, you know, we're, we're lucky to be able to uh, have uh, social media and the Internet to be able to keep us uh, entertained and amused during this time staying home. It could be a lot worse. So hopefully, um, you know, you're doing all that. Uh, today and tonight, actually, I have a very, very dear friend of mine who uh, shot to designer fame uh, many, many years ago because of her talents in creating beautiful, spectacular, unique uh, wedding gowns. And instead of me talking too much about Sadr Nuri, there's this beautiful piece that uh, her team have created. So I would rather introduce her via that video and then we'll get to know the Sadr Nuri that I have gotten to know throughout the many, many years, much closer and in depth. Let's go. born in Tehran and moved to the U.S. from Iran when I was nine years old. I really loved wedding gowns since I was a child and my passion for bridal started when I designed my own wedding gown. Being a brunette for this collection um, has all-American look with the thick eyebrows. For me it's so important to see my vision come to life through photography and I've been very involved on being the decision maker on how I want my line represented. All right, well, hopefully you enjoyed that little intro about Sada Nuri. Um, hopefully you can see the class, the elegance uh, in her work, in her designs, in her mission and passion. And without any further ado, I would like to cordially welcome Sada Nuri uh, to the show. Hi, Sada Joan. Hi, Iman, how are you? Wonderful, I appreciate you making time on an evening. I know you're a mother of two beautiful twins, Nur and Laili. And so balancing work and life must be very challenging. Thank you so much for making time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, especially during this difficult time. Appreciate it. Um, so tell me, speaking of difficult time, how are you and your amazing husband and your, and your daughters uh, you know, navigating through these uh, incredible waters? It's definitely something you know, um, that has changed a lot in our lives, um, not just work, but our routine. Obviously, the kids don't go to school and they're home so we have to really navigate our schedule my husband works from home and i go back and forth so it's been it's been a little bit difficult i think the first two weeks was the most difficult and we're kind of getting used to it but we just can't wait till everything goes back to normal <laughs> and i don't and, know what that's gonna be well hope, hopefully um you guys are making the best out of it and and i'm sure that especially somebody like you who's been such a busy busy bee for as long as i remember you um, you get to enjoy this incredible opportunity to spend so much time with your children at home and, and, and you know, your husband as well. 
Correct. I mean, I really have never spent so much time at home. I'm always on the go, work, traveling on weekends, doing trunk shows, working on new collections, just constantly on the go. I've never been home so much. So yeah. It's a little how, how are the kids reacting with seeing mom home so much? <laughs> they actually are, um, I think they're a little surprised. We you know we try to explain the virus to them. Everywhere is closed. You have to wear masks. Mommy's work is closed. School is closed. And so tonight when I was getting ready for this show, they were asking me, where are you going? Work is closed. So they're <laughs> understanding it a little bit as much as they can. How, how is it? Um, I mean, I give so much props to parents who have children. I mean, really of all ages that are like at home when they normally aren't supposed to be. How, what kind of advice do you have for like parents who are, you know, taking care of such young children who don't really understand what's going, it's hard to explain a pandemic. I mean, they're still kind of grasping what life is. Um, what's going on with, like from a mother's standpoint, I would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, really trying to keep them busy and a little bit of the schoolwork. I mean, they're, they're not even five yet, so we're not there with the homeworks and everything else, but keeping the routine of their regular things they used to do. Um, so you know, not just, you know, playing games and going out and all that. So that obviously you have to do have a full day with them, but just, you know, including that part um, of their school, I think it'll, it helps a little bit. Nice. Um, so now transitioning from family life, let's kind of get into um, the road to Sada Nuri, New York. And I had the pleasure of getting to know you during our college years. You went to George Mason university. I was a Marylander and, um, you know, I, I, I remember back then you had such an affinity and love and passion for graphic design. And we, we had a lot of conversations back back in the time about your design skills. And I would see some of your work and I was like, man, there's so much there's so much passion in like your design work. And uh, but your story really begins much more before then. And we actually share the same story where you came to the United States in 1989, which is the same year that I came to this country and you and your family first came to. Virginia. And what's interesting about you is that you kind of lived out a dream that a lot of especially young girls, they, they have, and that is being involved in making a, a wedding dress and creating a dress. So kind of tell us about your story and your love affair with bridal gowns and everything that has to do with like the wedding industry. Well, it's, it's interesting. I started doing this later in life. It wasn't that I always said, I want to be a fashion designer or a bridal gown designer. I, you know, I, I went to school for graphic design, as you said, at George Mason University, and I was an artist, so I sketched and I painted. And, you know, being an artist, I kind of wanted to do something that, you know, was with more of a modern, um, you know, uh, thing for the new generation. And I think graphic design um, was great, and I loved it. Um, but I didn't get to, and I always love wedding dresses. I can't even tell you. I know it's like all the girls and little girls, everyone, I loved <laughs> it. Every time I saw a bride, I would sit there and take a picture. So I, I had this like major passion. And after, um, when I was looking for my own dress, um, my wedding was in 2009. I couldn't find a dress I loved. I went to a bunch of boutiques in Virginia and um, all over, and I just really couldn't find what I was looking for. And I was lucky to um, meet a dressmaker. And she said, you know what? You design it, I'll make it for you. And I went to New York. I went to Garment District, got the fabric, exactly what I wanted she made for me. And then after I got married, um, we moved to the New York metro area in New Jersey. And, um, you know, this is the Mecca fashion, New York. And I kept thinking about wedding dresses and nothing else, just the dresses. I didn't, just the wedding part. And 
everyone's like, oh, we had the same thing. It's the wedding blues. It's going to go away. Well, mine never really went away. <laughs> <laughs> it stayed. And it just, I wanted to be in, in the wedding uh, industry. So I got a job um, as a marketing director for a high-end um, bridal salon in New Jersey near my house. And I started there and they carried a lot of high-end designers. And I started out doing part-time marketing, doing their graphics and all that stuff. And that was like kind of um, beginning stages based on what I was used to. I worked for corporate. I had a lot of experience in graphics. Um, so just because it was in bridal, I was okay to give all that up and just kind of be in, you know, beginning stages. And then that led to in sales and I got into, and I was not in sales before, but that led into sales and I started you know, selling, working with brides one-on-one. -on -one. And then I became a director of sales and a buyer. And a buyer is um, when you um, are in charge of um, buying the new collection for the store, what's the best fit for your area, the aesthetic and all that stuff. So I became the buyer and I got to meet a lot of designers and dressmakers. And I just kind of came up with my own line and I started with six sashes and dresses. And I showed at the London Hotel in New York. My first show, I was super nervous. I didn't know what to expect. I was like, no one's gonna pick up my stuff. I'm, you know, new, I don't have a name. And I and I specifically remember I was making these belts and they were just these like really unique, different type of belts. And back then they were in, not as much so much anymore, but they were they go over the dresses. And I was pricing them and my husband's like, oh my gosh, you're overpricing these. No one's gonna buy it. You don't have a name yet, all that. So the next day I sold two of them with the price point that I wanted. And it was really happy. I was like, I can do this. Um, why, why you got to call Ali out like that, man? I got to call like, you're not going to be able to sell this at the same I'm like, yes, I can. And so it really didn't matter. They didn't care about the name. I was, you know, I just had started. So I was like, okay. So I'm, after, I'm sorry. And what year was this? Was this 2009? This, no, this was 2011. So oh, remember, yeah, okay. I, was, I was working in bridal for a while before I even thought yeah. about doing something like this. Okay. Um, it was late 2011. I did well, we went to the show and my first show, I got into 15 new stores and that's really hard to do. And everyone's like, oh, well, I thought that was the norm. I didn't know, I was just, you know, in the beginning stages and everyone's like, that's incredible. So that was really motivating to see that. We came up with some really unique pieces in the beginning. And I think what helped me better than any school was to work with the brides one-on-one. -on -one. What did they want? They wanted a top of this and things that didn't exist. What's a good fit? What looks good on them? What doesn't, cause they shop, a lot of our brides shop, they go to a lot of salons and they would come and there's a pretty reputable boutique and they would be all over New York. They're like, I can't find this dress. And so it would come to me and I'm like, I got to create things that is not out there. And so the brides were the best um, school for me. Learning from them was amazing. And also just working with the dressmakers, you know, knowing the best fit and the fabrics and the vendors you meet. Um, I was lucky to meet really, really good people that actually helped me. So... So you, right now you just mentioned that uh, the brides really help you. So brides, what they like in the style and, uh, you know, fashion, it changes, you know. So how how has it been? Because, uh, you know, you have a very distinguishable style, which is very modern, but very traditional, very elegant. I mean, I, I, to be honest, the, the, the style of dresses that you have is very reflective of you, in my opinion. You know, like you're a modern woman, but there's a lot of class and elegance that's very traditional style. But like now it's 2020 yeah. and let, let's not even talk about the issue of Corona right now and how it's impacting <laughs> the wedding industry. Yeah. But has that been like a challenge for you or did you, is that actually advantageous? How were you able to deal with today's modern bride versus mm -hmm. 2009? 
That's a really good question. To this day, they help me because I travel a lot. I travel a lot for trunk shows. I go all over the United States. I have um, sales managers that travel as well. We all always put our heads together. Um, when I go to a trunk show now, a bride's looking for something. It's not out there. I'm like, oh, next collection. I should do this. This doesn't exist. She's been to five stores. Nobody has it. They have so many designers. So to this day, they are like... I always say I'm the bride's designer, meaning I do create unique pieces, but not too out of the box. They're for the bride. Um, and so to this day, to answer your question, they help. They help tremendously, which is which is our number one key to being able to sell our collection and do that's, well. That's great. So um, obviously you had this love affinity for bridal, like you were saying, with, with mm -hmm. wedding dresses. What was the catalyst where you were like, okay, I just want to make a fashion house now because I, there's a certain point where it goes from hobby and love and passion to, man, I got to take a huge leap of faith. This is a huge financial investment. I have, I have a husband. I, have, I want to make a family. Where, where did you realize that I'm going to go hard and I'm going to make it Sardinuri fashion house? Okay, so from the very beginning, I said to my husband, I said, if I do this, I'm going to do it all the way. I'm not going to make this a hobby. Either I do it or I don't do it. And then I, I was like, either I do high end or I don't do high end. So I, and from the <laughs> beginning, I set myself up for some goals. And my goal was to go international. My goal was to expand into other things outside of bridal um, and to grow the company. And we have. We're in over 60 salons all over the world. And we're now expanding into evening wear. Um, but all that takes time. Like, I don't want it to sound like, oh, I just decided this and overnight this happened. This was a lot right. of and time and money and passion, blood, sweat, and tears that was put into this. It's a very difficult, difficult industry. It's a very competitive industry. Um, but from the beginning, I said, I want to have a big business. I, it was never a hobby for me, no. Um, and so right now, um, you know, you have your royal collection, which was I thought was very beautiful, where you're talking about uh, how you name all the gowns based on princesses and stuff. Right now, um, can you talk a little bit more about the Royal Collection that you released in, in the spring of 2020? The spring of 2020 was the Royal Collection and we named all the dresses, um, each of them after princesses. Um, so each gown was named and it kind of went with our characteristics. Like if you see, we have that, uh, the Farrah cape um, with, the, with the blue and just reminded me of like Queen Farrah of Iran. And so each of them were kind of characteristics of the queens and um, it resembled them. So when a bride says, oh, what is the name? They're like, oh, that makes sense. You know, so <laughs> it kind of goes with that, with their look. So, and then right now, I mean, you know, when I saw the Royal Collection 2020 and it was a video that I absolutely loved that your team created. Um, how, how, how has this whole situation with the coronavirus like impacted um, you guys, and how, how do you see the outlook of the wedding industry as a whole, given what we're going through? Well, obviously, when it first, you know, there were talks of it, nobody knew um, how bad it's going to get, right? So I even um, traveled to one of my trunk shows, and they had an event for me in Charleston, South Carolina. It was March 6th. I even went to that event. Um, there was not a lot of serious talk. And then when I came back, it kind of, you know, started um, when they announced that we have to do the shutdown and then stores were emailing us, we're closed, don't ship anything. That's when it was like, oh my God, we obviously first time for everybody. We've never gone through anything like this. So, you know, in the beginning, I like freaked out a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, what do we do? But we put our heads together and we came up with um, great 
you know, solutions. Um, long story, our, my production is still open. We're shipping on time. Um, I was lucky that 90% of my dressmakers um, have home studios. So they, we know we distributed the dresses to them. And then my core production, we kept. Awesome. So the shipping keeps going. And um, as much as possible, I've kept um, almost everybody on payroll, um, trying to keep them busy until we open up. And things are looking a little positive right now. So That's, in, that's incredible. And like, um, I mean, sorry, I've, I've truly admired your, um, your entrepreneurship, your um, dedication, because I've seen you work like grind so much throughout the years. Um, so I wanted to have you a part of the show in general. But then when I saw what you guys did a couple of weeks ago, which was um, kind of just shift production to where you now want to help uh, your community of, of health professionals. And, you know, you started making, you know, your team started making masks. Um, I'd love for you to kind of go, go into a little more detail about what is it that made you decide that, okay, hey, you know what, guys? We have this, we have this, let's see how we can help and, and what's been going on ever since you've been doing this. Well, you know, in the beginning when it happened, I wasn't even like really thinking about that because we were trying to get our production together. But um, it was one evening I was watching Governor Cuomo of New York and Governor Murphy from New Jersey and their fleet. I mean, this was in the beginning. So there was a lot of shortage of masks and ventilators and things like that. And they were pleading, if you can do it, if you have the capability, if you have anyone that can make. And so I was like, well, I can't make ventilators. <laughs> I can do masks, right? So I was like, you know what? I have this facility, this big design studio i have the sewers and i'm gonna see what fabrics so the fabrics is where it comes the problem comes there's specifications so we had to go to um atlantic health here to see what they're looking for what you have to cover up with like they they won't accept any polyester they want um any synthetic fabrics it has to be breathable so there was like uh, it, it was a little bit of a challenge. We ended up having a few rolls of fabrics that we were able to use and elastic. I'm like so lucky we were able to get the elastic to put it on. And so out of that, we got thousands of masks and we started making them. And then what we did was we started emailing um, and we started, we did a post. We did a post on Instagram and Facebook and we got over 200 emails. Okay. Not just New Jersey, all over the world. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, we can't help everybody. So we just said, okay, let's narrow it down to New York, New Jersey. There's too many hospitals. And um, so from there, like we got contacts. There were so many serenary brides and um, past brides, current brides and future brides that are nurses and um, nurses or physicians. And they were like, they gave us their contacts and we would ship to them. They would take it to and distribute them. Um, so that's how it all started. And uh, you know, in the beginning, we had to like make the pattern and then we cut with a machine. We were cutting like hundreds at a time because, you know, to save time and money to be able to do these quickly. And, you know, in the beginning, like our dressmakers are couture wedding dressmakers. They're not mask makers. We're not one of those like sweatshops that are making masks. <laughs> Right. So we had to transform from that to something so simple, though. It took them it took them a couple of days to kind of like try to get these out quickly. Um, but they're beautiful. They're cloth and they're breathable. They're a few layers and they're washable. Uh, so they really appreciated that. And we're still doing it. We asked for donations and some of the designers were kind enough to send that to us. And I had a few people that actually ordered cotton fabrics for us online and shipped it. So we're still producing them. That is that incredible. Is incredible. So, so, so that was actually, actually my, my next, next question, question is, that, is that are you guys still doing, doing this? And if anybody wants to kind of like donate or 
just be a part of this goodwill that you're creating. Yeah. What, where can they get more information? How can they be a part of this great movement? Um, on our Instagram and on our Facebook, it has um, a mask with a heart on it. So Sarah Nori, on there is our email address and contact. So they can just email us. We'll give them the content of the fabric we're looking for. And they can certainly donate because a lot of people, like um, we had an ambulance team that needed it, police stations, you know. Um, I know that ma more masks are being distributed now, but I think that it's good to always have them. You just don't know. Well, the great, the great thing is that you'll be able to add this to your um, product line in the future because I have, I have a feeling that <laughs> a lot of people are, Yeah, well, I mean, it's so funny because like a couple of days ago, I saw like this like, I don't know, Instagram thing or something and it said Gucci. And I thought it was like a meme at first. I was like, oh yeah, Gucci, like a fancy one. Yeah. But then I remember like my niece was like, no, seriously, like in places like China, they get these high-end, uh, you know, masks. And I was like, oh wow, actually now that I think about it, yeah, it is, it could, <laughs> yeah, it could be it could be like a fashion statement nowadays. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, right now it's going to help professionals. But then mm -hmm. as, as we live in this uh, precarious world, you know, they can be wearing fashionable Sardar Nuri masks. You know? yeah. We got we got um, a couple of people contacted us. They were looking for mass production. Like you're talking like hundred thousand masks and things that they do overseas that they weren't able to do because nothing was open. But we just didn't have that capability of like putting, you know, aside our entire production to produce hundreds of thousands of masks. That's just not what we're, you know, able to do. And I want to make sure we can still, you know, ship out brides uh, dresses on time and have our production. So I love it. So, I mean, I'm sure it's a it must be a gratifying feeling to know that during a time where so many people are going through such difficult times that you and your team were able to at least do something and contribute in, in a very important way, actually. Yeah, I think um, I feel so good doing it, knowing that people need it. I mean, I can't even tell you how many of our brides have emailed us thanking us, their moms. They're saying, oh, my son is a surgeon or my son is a nurse or my daughter and you guys are helping out so much. I mean, when I first, I didn't even think for something so little, we would, there was so much gratitude. It was just yeah. like, you know, you feel better as a human, you know? Yeah, like, and, and, and I'm, I'm so I'm so glad and grateful that um, people like you are using their platform to to do such things. I mean, there's so many people that have huge followings and when it's time for them to step up, they don't. And so on behalf of a lot of people around the world, thank you and your team for, for going the extra mile and doing what you could in, in your capabilities um, to help people, especially people that are right now at the front lines of, you know, a war, you know, and so those, those are the people that they need the support and you guys uh, stepped up to the plate. So kudos to you and your team. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So um, we're going to, we're going to take a, a short break. And then when we come back, I'm going to be asking you a little bit about, um, you know, what advice that you have for designers or up and coming designers who want to go down the road as you, uh, I, I want you to kind of give a little bit of advice on how you've been able to juggle the, the mom life, the wife life, and the entrepreneurial life. And so uh, for all of the guests that are watching, stick around and we'll have a lot more with Sada Nuri coming up.
All right, so we're back with uh, my dear friend and talented uh, fashion designer, Sara Nuri. Um, so as I was saying right before the break, Sara, mm -hmm. like, um, I, I know a lot of my friends that were messaging me, they were excited to, to hear more about you because just in general, like you haven't had that many uh, interviews where you kind of share a lot of your uh, experience and your path to uh, the fashion house. So if you could go back to... 10, 15 years ago, knowing what you know now and all the grindage you've been going, what, what are some of the main takeaways where like, man, if I could do this all over again, these are the things I would do differently. These are the things that I would study. This is whatever. What kind of feedback would you have for, or, or what kind of advice would you have? Well, let me tell you. So my story is a little bit different because I kind of fell into this because of my wedding and the passion I have for design and wedding dresses. So for me, it was it was timing and it was the love for bridal and it kind of happened. And I told you that I, I really wanted to, it wasn't a hobby. So I always say, if you're going to do it, don't do it as a hobby because you're not going to give your hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Um, I gave my 110% um, because I knew it was something that I was investing in something that was serious. And I was putting a lot of time into it. I would, you know, be up till two, three in the morning, sometimes working. I mean, and then, remember in the beginning I did everything by myself and that's what you're going to have to do. You have to take baby steps. You can't just go in and get a loan or have money and just spend all your you know, personal money and you have to do baby steps and you have to do it yourself. I did quality control myself. I checked the dresses myself. I packed and shipped the dresses myself. I did my own website logos. Um, I can't even tell you. So that graphics really did come in handy. Yeah, of course. I did my own ads, um, you know, I did everything, but honestly, to besides making the dresses. Um, so given that, if I hadn't done that, there's no way. And, you know, there was a lot of mistakes and things I did and I learned. But I think that you have to be you have to be passionate when you're passionate. Like I enjoy doing those things by myself. Now, like when you, you talk about it, you're like, oh, my God, it was a lot. But I actually enjoyed every step of it. I learned with my mistakes. I always had good people to help me as well. So it's okay to do things yourself. You don't have to from day one hire people and have a whole team. Now it's great. We have a team that does everything, you know, and I still have my input on everything. It's not like I stepped away and I'm like, I don't want to be a part of this because now, you know, my brand has taken off and, you know, I sell to this many stores and all that stuff. It's, it's not like that. I never, I go to work every single day and I travel on weekends too. So, um, I, it's because I love it. And I was telling my husband, I'm like, I, I realized after what happened now, how much I love this business and how much, like, I never said, Oh, thank God. I'm going to be home for a few days. You know, it was, it's not like that. Like I cannot wait to go back. We had, we were launching our luxury evening dresses. Our new collection for bridal was coming out. Our photo shoot was scheduled. Everything got canceled, right? But I just can't wait to go back and do all that stuff. And it just made me realize how much I cannot be without it. Like, I truly, if I like win the lottery tomorrow, I would still yeah. do it. Let me just put it that way. So, so this is just reaffirming mm -hmm. the, the love affair that you have with creating beautiful gowns and just being in that environment. Being in the environment and the people and our stores and our brides and my employees and it's just everybody. Like it's a family. It's your second family. Second family, exactly. Um, yeah. What What are the biggest challenges? You know, because it's so easy, especially in the world that you're in, where everything is opulence and elegance and beauty, and you know, everyone is just looking so perfect. You know, but the reality is, just like any other business, there's so many challenges, so much stress. 
What would you say is like the most challenging part of Southern Newry, New York? The most challenging in the beginning when I started um, was to do a collection, to have a store pick up the collection and to have the store keep you. Okay. You can get into a new store, but it's the fact you have to keep the ball rolling. You have to be able to sell. Everything is with number. You have to be able to sell. You have to be up to date. Brides will have to call and ask for you. The, the minute that I had brought my store say, okay, or they would email or call us this, this bride is requesting this dress, this bride. That's when I knew, okay, our name is out there in bridal. Okay. They call and they ask for Sarah Nuri. They see it on social media. They see it on Pinterest. They see it, you know, wherever on social media. But I feel that the most challenging is finding the right talent. Um, finding the right talent is extremely important, meaning good dressmakers, good cutters, good pattern makers, good managers, good salespeople. Um, and you learn, you live and learn, you know, you hire people. But I think that was the most challenging for me because when you're new, everybody promises you things and, oh, I can do this, I can do that. And then when things are not done the right way, then you're like, oh, well, not really. And <laughs> <laughs> so now we have a process. Uh, you, know, you, know, you know, you made a very interesting comment right now <laughs> saying that it's one thing to get into them, but it's another thing to stay in there. And yeah. again, having been... Um, in person and social media friends with you for all these years and seeing seeing you going to um, all these heights, I remember there was always these milestone moments where you shared, I'm in this store now, I'm in Nordstrom, yeah. I'm this. Um, which, which of all the stores that you're now in all around the world, what is like the one that when you got into that store, you were like, ah, oh, this is like, this was, I, I'm, I'm so appreciative that all the work has finally led to this. Which one is that one store? Oh, I hate to say this because I love all of my stores. <laughs> I had two aha moments, okay? okay. When I first started, Kleinfeld's in New York City. I mean, okay, yeah. Kleinfeld's picked me up. I was still brand new. I was in my first year. They came to see us. There was a group of them. I was so nervous and they just you know, they picked up the line and I remember they were, they all went out and by the elevator outside and we just jumped up and down. Oh my God, I got into Kleinfeld. So that was an aha moment for me in the very beginning. And my second one that from day one, when, you know, a magazine had interviewed me my first year, they're like, what is the store that you want to get into? And that was Berkdorf Goodman in New York city. When I got into Berkdorf Goodman, I was like, it was just an honor, you know? So I'll I love that. And so, and, and speaking of which, when you kind of get those like moments of gratification, it's almost like, it's like a validation of, okay, the hard work is like being reciprocated and like the mm -hmm. opportunities are opening up and you've had uh, former American idol, Diane DeGarmo and Miss America, Caressa Cameron. Mm -hmm. uh, who, who else is there that has adorned your dresses that, that, you know, that you're, that you're proud of as well, that they, you know, cause, cause in one of the nicest quotes that you have is, I believe finding a wedding dress is like finding a true friend. You should be able to trust it. You should never regret it. And whenever you see it, it should always make you smile, you know? And oh, so you, you, <laughs> yeah, you have, you have, you have put that feeling into, um, the arms and the body of many, 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 many brides. And so like, how does that make you feel? And is there, if there's, if there's a special bride story that you have, um, that really touched you and, and made this all worthwhile. I would love to hear that from you. Yeah, I mean, every single bride we have is special. I mean, they they send us their wedding pictures thanking us so much and how many compliments they get. 
and you know we try to share those on our Instagram and we want the brides to see a real bride in our dress so I like I said I travel a lot for trunk shows I get the opportunity to meet them I love them uh, you know it's fabulous when they make the decision and you know when they tell you you don't know I've tried 50 to 100 dresses all over all over the country I've been to so many stores I've, but your dresses are my aesthetic so I, I love hearing that and that's that's so motivating and that's happened so many times and you know it, I know what they've tried on they, they tell me what they've tried on and so then they're like we just keep circling back to your dresses and you know every designer has that story with mine is like when they say that it's super motivating it makes me happy I love that there's a um, lot of competition out there you know of course it's a lot and but the cream always rises to the top you know and so <laughs> good mm -hmm. for you so what what speaking of all these beautiful dresses and I and I still remember pictures of you uh on, on your wedding day where mm -hmm. is your wedding dress I got it preserved and it's in a beautiful box <laughs> and it's in the basement <laughs> all right cool it's in a nice box I got it preserved a couple of years after I got married. So I still have my dress and awesome. I'm and I always tell the brides, you should preserve your dress. You never, your daughter's not gonna wear it. Styles are gonna change, but it's something to have. It's nice. Awesome, beautiful. Yeah. Um, so one thing that has to do with um, your, your, your brand that I really, really appreciated, um, you know, we're in the production field. So like for me, like, you know, I'm, I'm behind the camera, in front of the camera, I direct, I come up with ideas, I brainstorm with my team. And then when I saw your, your longer documentary, which I really hope everybody watches the three-minute version of your uh, Royal Collection video, uh, it's on your website and even Instagram. What I really loved is that that video, instead of solely focusing on the bridal gown and the, and the beautiful brides and, and all that stuff, it actually touches on how important it is for you to make sure that your brand is represented the right way and that right way is the way that you have it envisioned. Yeah. And... Um, just kind of like talk about how you love to be right in the mix of things and be the creative force behind it all and how important it is to you. It, it's really important. And that, you know, circles back to what I was saying in the beginning when I used to do everything myself. Okay, now I have help. I have a lot of help, but I'm still involved. The photo shoot, I'm involved. Um, I'm involved in obviously the design aspect, the fittings and how the dresses look, what fabrics we use. I think it's really important. You can't... The way that you have it envisioned. And um, just kind of like talk about how you, you love to be right in the middle. Away. Um, I feel like you can't, um, if you completely step away, you lose that sense of, you know, um, being involved and it kind of just takes over. I, I love being involved. Um, do, do you ever, do you ever actually do like the photography as well and videography or you're just no. directing? <laughs> I leave that up to the professionals. I leave, but I do drive them crazy though. Uh, I'm always yeah. there, I'm like, do it like this, do it like that. But you know, we collaborate and uh, one of my friends, um, a dear friend of mine that does the photography and he now after many years knows how I work and what I want and what our vision is. And so, um, you know, we work together and then a videographer as well. So, and, and, you know, I think, I think consistency has been, um, the key to your brand. Like what I really admired is, um, is just from, from day one, you've had the same look and feel of just quality, elegance, professionalism, and, and all of your marketing material. And I know just how much work goes into all of those things. Like a lot of yeah. people don't know just how many hours, how many edits and, and all that back and forth. So, um, there's, a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. And Iman, like, 
you know, going back to saying what I'm really proud of is that I was able to keep my manufacturing here in the United States. And I mm, plan to yes. do that. Made in the USA. That is so important for me. I have to have an eye on my production. I have to be able to have control over my production. And I want to, you know, offer jobs here for dressmakers and cutters and sample makers and pattern makers. So for me, made in the USA, it's so important from day one, I did that and I intend to keep it here, especially after now, so. That's amazing. No, that's very important. And um, I'm sure that uh, that everyone who's in the New York area, especially really appreciates the fact that you're supporting <laughs> them as well. Um, so I wanna talk to you a little bit about, you know, juggling this um, this hectic life that you, that you live um, and, and what you do to really just, stay sane, um, stay healthy and being able to know your limits, you know, and, and making sure that you're not overworking yourself. And it's so easy to get caught up with the hype. It's so easy to kind of get caught up with the popularity and, um, you know, just kind of go, 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 go. And this is actually one thing that I really appreciate about, uh, what's going on is that it's allowed us to kind of slow down a little bit, but yeah. how, what, what do you do to kind of make sure that there's a healthy balance of dr driven work, and also still being, you know, at peace with yourself. I don't know if there's a healthy balance, but <laughs> as like I said, it's always go, go, go. And to a point where I'm like, that's it. I need a couple of days off. And then after two days, I'm like ready to go back. Like I said, I love, I love what I do. So it's yeah. for me, like, I don't get burned out. So right now with all this downtime is where I'm having a hard time. I'm not used to this. I'm not used to just like staying home all the time, but you know, I thankfully have my husband that helps me with the girls and then I have, you know, additional help. So I try to spend time with them on my days off. And they, at some point they were so used to me going to work and they're like, are you going in the airplane? Is the taxi coming? Like they knew the whole process. Um, so it's, it's hard to juggle. But you Oh, so I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just was reminded of when you used to work at the airlines at uh, Dulles Airport. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what airline was it? I worked for Scandinavian and Austrian Airlines. That's yeah. right. So yeah. I, still, I still think about those days and it was just so fun. I traveled the world. It's amazing. Like, completely awesome. different. I was I was actually just watching the clip from Meet the Fockers where Ben Stiller is trying to get in and then the lady at the gate is you know it's like nobody is And we wore those uh those caps with the boots and I remember that. I definitely great. remember I still have pictures from those days. That's awesome. So um but I wanna know that if it was a Sunday afternoon and Monday is a holiday, what does what does Sada choose to do to let her hair down and be super comfortable? Like what makes you happy? What what is your ideal perfect day when you're not focused on work? I like to stay home <laughs> if possible. I like to stay home and spend time with the girls and, you know, doing activities, just like relaxing, nothing, you know, crazy going out and things like that. So I, I love, I love spending time with them. They're growing up so fast and so quickly. So. Um, what is like, what, if you, do you like to go out to like restaurants? If so, what kind of like, What's your favorite place to go for a restaurant? What like what kind of ambiance do you like when you want to get out of your house? What what kind of stuff do you do for for fun? We love to go out to eat. Um, you know, here again, New York City is super close, so we do you know go to New York when the weather's nice and go to Central Park with the girls or things like that. Just you know, nothing too crazy. Hanging out with some friends and talking about other things than work. <laughs> Sometimes. How, how how fun is it to have twins? 
Twins are fun. Um, everywhere I go, people have stories with twins. <laughs> or they go <laughs> someone that has twins. Or people that say, I always wanted twins. Twins are great, and I'm so, so blessed. Um, they're fun. They're growing up together. But it's also very difficult because I went from no kids to two kids. So imagine, you know, juggling that. So it's, it's tough. But as they get older, it's so cute. They're talking now, and, you know, <laughs> And you and they ask a lot of questions. So. Can, can you see distinguishable personality differences between Noor and Laylee? They're so different. They are two complete, not only they look different, they are completely two different kids. Do one of them take after your personality and the other one after I yeah, already completely? I think so. I think so. Which one, which one, one is like you? And one looks like me too. So. <laughs> and does the one that looks like you also have the same personality? Or? No. No. Oh, it's switch. Well, no, yes, yes. So lately, <laughs> lately, everyone says like she looks like me, and so she has my personality. And um, Noor looks like her dad, and she has his personality. But Noor <laughs> is the one that actually is really, really into fashion. I can't even tell you. I like look at her. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> she so loves is, is she the one that like constantly wants to go, go to work with you? Yes. Or? She calls them mommy's pretties. And every time she sees a bride, she says mommy's pretty. She calls dresses pretty. And so they're both like recognizing that now, even though I don't take them to work that much, you know, where they used to go to school and now I really can't take them. But when they went to yeah. school, um, never time. But I've only taken them a few times, but they love it. They love it. Awesome. Um, okay, so th there comes a point at the end of every show that I have where I really would love to give uh, my guests an opportunity to share um, you know, really a positive message. I feel like right now, one of the main reasons why I started doing this podcast is because the world just needs something to be inspired by. They need something to kind of, um, you know, they want to hear stories of resilience. And I look at you as a, as a mother and having gone through all the stress of growing a business. These are, these are stories of strength, of perseverance. Um, and, and I still, but I still want to give an opportunity for my guests to share what it is that, they they want to spread in the world so the stage is all yours to share whatever it is that you're passionate about that you would like to teach all right well i can only talk about my experiences and you know i'm a, i'm a very resilient person and i think that's the personality you have to have if you want to have a business you have to have thick skin and you can't take anything personally. Um, in the beginning, I did. You know, obviously, I, I wasn't too familiar. But you kind of grow into that. And like I said, you have to take baby steps. There's not, no such thing as wrong. And even if it is, no one's going to blame me. There's no, no company that has grown that from day one, they were perfect, right? And you have to ask questions and ask for help. That's something I didn't really do in the beginning. I didn't ask for help. I was too shy to say, kind of like, I'll, I'll just figure it out myself. I think it's really good to ask for help for people that are more experienced, that have more knowledge in this specific industry, no matter what you want to do. If you want to open up a restaurant, you want to be a designer. Um, and I, as a, for a designer, I would say the most important thing, if that's what you're thinking you want to do and you have a passion for it, I think it's so good to do a few internships or go work for a designer. See the back end of the business before you decide you want to be a designer. Um, I think that's one thing that I would have loved to have had um, to work for an actual designer because you get to see everything. We have interns, we have administrative people, we have you know production coordinators that are with us. They tell me it and they're like, this was so helpful. I saw on a daily basis, the struggles, the mistakes, the problems, 
redoing a dress, cutting a fabric that was damaged. Like they get to see every aspect of it, the marketing, everything. There's so much that goes into it. Um, so that's, that's my feedback. That's my suggestion. I love it. And actually, before we go, I do want to ask you, um, where do you see Sara Nuri in five years? Mm. <laughs> well, we were going to expand into luxury <laughs> evening dresses, um, which is actually being made right now. So it's up and running. The first thing I'm going to do is, you know, photograph it and do all the marketing materials. But we want to, bridal will always be my baby. I love bridal. That's the core of my business. But I think that um, we do need to expand the brand into other divisions in order to grow. Um, if you just stay within, you know, bridal, you're not going to grow. Um, I'm going to do evening. There's, there's a lot of opportunity. There's so much licensing um, opportunities you can do. So just expanding the brand. I don't know. I don't know um, exactly where, but I do want to see my label to be, um, you know, out there more other than bridal. Are you uh, are you taking on any new interns in case anyone's interested and wants to contact you guys, or do you have a long yeah, list of people? Sure, we need so much help right now. <laughs> well, hey, I hope this is over. <laughs> so yeah, so sardanuri.com is for sure the place to go and, and contact. Um, and Sarah, I'm like I'm super super proud of you. It's been so fun to um, you know see your journey, and um, I, I see that how much passion and love that you have for it, and and that's why the brand has grown to the point that it has because you're behind it and. And you're giving it your all. So I wish you continued success. I wish you and Ali and Leili and Noor uh, health and happiness. And hopefully you guys can really take full advantage of these next few weeks. And hopefully not months, but few weeks, um, yeah. you know, inside the house. And you'll be right back on the road. And, and, and brides will be, you know, loving getting to know the person that made their memorable dress. So uh, uh, I appreciate your time. And hopefully the kids didn't wake up. Send my no, best to Ali. <laughs> Send my best to Ali. Say hi to your family, and can't wait to see you soon again. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Well, good night. Bye bye. Thank you.